Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's sermon. Uh, we're talking about a sermon today called Deliberate Prayer. And uh, we've been looking uh, last week at the four ways God usually invites us to the place of prayer. He gives us directives. Uh, he says, pray always and uh, you never give up. And the key concept behind directives is to listen. So if the Lord's been calling you and He's been speaking directly to you, I want you to pray more. The key concept is obedience. Listen to what He's saying because He's inviting you to this beautiful place of encounter with Him. The second way is He expects us as, uh, to engage in prayer as part of our devotions. And, and the key concept here in the Scriptures is devote yourself, commit yourself. Devotion is part of what we're supposed to do. Third way he encourages us to this place and he calls us to this place of prayer is he stirs up our desires. And those things that we have a heart for and, and those things we're passionate about and those things we feel deeply about. And the key concept here is to know your desires and, and to bring them to the Lord. And lastly, uh, the, the last way that the Lord invites us to a place of prayer is that we go through a desert time. There's a desert. It's hard. It's uh, pressured situations. There are anxieties in our lives. And it's a call to pray under tough circumstances. And the key concept here is that when you're under pressure, come running to the Lord and say, Lord, I would like to engage with you in this idea of prayer. So we, we looked at those ways that God invites us to the place of prayer. And if you have uh, been invited in one of those aspects, we're just continuing on in the series to encourage you. Come to the place of prayer and trust God to see profound things in your life. But additionally, we, we understood last week that Jesus said that there were three things that we needed to remember when we come to the place of prayer. Number one is that we should persevere in prayer and we should keep coming. And uh, Jesus invited us to do this. He didn't say there's a lack of faith. You just should pray once. He said, keep coming, keep asking, keep knocking. You'll be heard because of your shameless audacity. The second issue we realized was not just perseverance, but our position in Christ. That we pray from a place where we're seated in heavenly places with Jesus on His throne of victory. We pray from that throne in heavenly places, having attained that position, not through merit of our own, but because we believed in Jesus and we were included in Jesus Christ and therefore raised and seated and favored and blessed along with Him. And now we pray with Him from His glorious throne. So we remembered that, that the, to persevere, remembered to remember our position and that the third thing we spoke about was to remember and pray the promises that God has given us. Now today I want to expand a little on some of those concepts. As we see today, Paul said that repetition would be a safeguard for us. And we're going to look at that in just a little while. We're recognizing that this is a season as a nation for the church to engage in deliberate prayer. Uh, our prayers are powerful and effective and they move the needle and they will establish us in uh, the kingdom of God on the earth. And they are vital for us at this time. So we cannot sit unmoved by the events of this year and not allow them to motivate us and to spur us to the place of prayer. Now is our moment as the church across this nation. Now is our time to, to, to pray alongside Jesus and to see his kingdom made manifest on the earth. This is one of the most exciting and profound opportunities of our generation. And we as the church can step up and pray along with Jesus and see the creation of all the heart of God in our nation. 
What an exciting day this is. So I want to talk a little bit about partnering with our position, understanding that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. For those of you who wear glasses or, or contacts and you've been to the optometrist, there's usually a time when, when you're, they're fitting you for new glasses that the optometrist will put down different options. I'll say, Does it, it, what is better? Is it, is it this or is it this? Is, is it this or is it this? Now, I want you to imagine uh, when you're looking at a circumstance, when you're looking at reality, there are two options that are provided for you. I want you to imagine you're on the ground and in the middle of a hurricane and the storm, the sky is dark, lightning is flashing, the winds are at a terrible speed, there is torrential rain. It is a fearful place to be on the ground under a hurricane. And, and so that's one picture, the one snapshot, if you can get a picture of that in your mind, what it looks like, what it feels like. And then I want to take you to the NASA photographs of from space looking down on the hurricane where you just see the beautiful sunlight on top of the cloud and you see the eye of the storm. It's the same hurricane. It's just the position that you find yourself in makes a profound difference. One is under the circumstances, in threat, in danger, no peace. The other one is full of peace, watching. And the further you zoom out, the further distanced you get and you're looking down upon something, the more you begin to see a strategic overview. And if you were going to be praying, the prayers that you would pray from on the ground in the hurricane is, God save me. The prayers that you pray from the throne room looking down on it is more strategic. It's more, Father, would you do this? It's not that you're not compassionate. It's not that you don't feel the realities. It's that you have a completely different perspective. And so when we come to this place of prayer, like the optometrist, does, does this look better or, or, or this? On the ground or from heaven? And the obvious answer is it's always better when we view it from heaven's perspective. It's always more peaceful. It's always more strategic. It's always more powerful when we view things from the heavenly realms. Now, uh, the, the reality is that uh, Paul comes to this issue because Paul has been encouraging the, the church come together in prayer. And to the Philippian church, Paul writes in chapter 4 something that I want to focus on today. So let's start in Philippians 4 with verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. When? Always. Rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your requests to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, if anything is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. And I want you to remember that Paul is writing that uh, and he's dictating this uh, when his right arm is probably changed to a Roman God in a dungeon. At least at a very minimum, Paul is in the same room as a Roman God who has been uh, appointed to him. 
Paul is not a free man. Paul is not rejoicing in the natural circumstances of his life, but he writes to the church and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I can see his arm chained to the Roman God and he's, he's, he's quoting this, write this to one of the people who are there to just capture his words. And I can imagine the Roman God looking at him going, are you, are you out of your mind? Do you not understand the circumstances you're in? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now, earlier in the epistle, in chapter 3, Paul had encouraged the people to rejoice. So here he says, rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. But in Philippians 3.1, he said, furthermore, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again because it's a safeguard for you. Now, here's a, here's a simple truth. You and I need to make up our decision about which stadium we want to play this game on. See, uh, the the stadium we get into will affect our frame of mind. And if we don't remember where we're seated, if you don't remember you're seated with Jesus on His victorious throne uh, of victory and favor, then you can get involved in getting into an anxious, fretful place. But we are called to join Jesus in this, this place of rejoicing. He said, this is what I want you to do. Rejoice always. And you say, but Greg, how can I rejoice always? Don't you understand the circumstances? Well, I can rejoice always because He is always the same. His grace is always sufficient. His blood never loses its power. And His the, the commands and His decrees are always for our peace and our pardon. His righteousness is everlasting. His salvation is rock solid. His love is so massive as to be incomprehensible. His faithful is like the mighty heavens reaching to the skies. Rejoicing is an appropriate response of logical people. It is a complete recognition of where we will, uh, uh, where we are, and what will cause a constant response. If I look at Jesus and I see who He is, it is the appropriate response to be rejoicing always. And it's only when we forget where we are and whose we are that we allow fear and anxiety and depression to set in. So this is a basic litmus test. Rejoice always because Paul understands that if you see Jesus accurately, if you're seated with Him in heavenly places, it's the most obvious thing to be full of rejoicing. So we have this opportunity. Paul says, listen, folks, if you're going to engage in this world of life, you have to step onto the right playing field. There are two offers that are going to be offered to you. There's the stadium of rejoicing and the stadium of anxiety and fear. And you get to choose which one you want to play this game of life on. Here is the secret. If you step, if you by decision decide, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord because He is beautiful and He's worthy of all honor and glory. And you step onto that playing field, despite the circumstances of your life, on that playing field, all sorts of things become available to you. All sorts of power is unlocked. All sorts of possibilities begin to spring up. But if you get onto the playing field of fretful anxiety, all sorts of negative things, all sorts of heavinesses want to jump upon you. So we get onto the rejoicing field or we get onto the fretful field. Those two cause us to end up in extremely different places. Listen to what Psalm 37 verse 8 says. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. 
If you get onto the fret elevator, there is no floor, there is no button that you can push that's going to lead you to a good place. If you get into that realm of fretting, every button on the fret elevator will lead you to an evil place. And that's what the scripture says. Do not fret. It can lead you only to evil. And so don't get onto that elevator. Don't step onto that field. So we have to get off the field of anxiety and fear and fretting. We have to make a decision. I am not going to play on that field. I'm not going to live my life on that field. And some of you may be saying, well, Greg, that's easy for you because you have a cushy life, but my life is not so cushy. Well, I just want to say that you do not have to be stuck under fear. You do not have to play your life on the field of anxiety. You and I are called upon by the living God to step out of that and to step into a reality that we can live in constantly. And so we have to practice our position. You have to and I have to. So Paul, under house arrest, is exhorting those who are not in prison with him. They're outside of prison. Their lives are happy. And he says, hey, guys, perk up, rejoice. And he gives them something to practice. And I want to give you the same admonition. I want to give you something to practice in these days. While there is this beautiful offer and call, while we have this profound opportunity to revolutionize, transform, make a massive difference in our nation, in our city, in our neighborhood, by our prayers at this time. And this is what Paul says, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Say, so, but I, I, I'm not really sure. Where are the boundaries? What can I be anxious about? Well, here Paul says nothing. Now you say, but Greg, there's some, there's some real issues in life. I have to be responsible. I have to have a care about looking after my family. Yeah, I get that. There are cares, but you're not allowed to be anxious. You're not allowed to be fretful. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. And so Paul says, be anxious about nothing. Do not be anxious about anything. So what, what a broad sweep this is. Don't be anxious about anything. Seriously, nothing. No. Because the factory default setting of anxiety The way anxiety has been designed is it's a call to prayer. That's its function. That's what it's supposed to do. And prayer eats up anxiety. It's like the Pac-Man that'll just eat into anxiety. And so when you experience anxiety, when I experience anxiety, what it is, it's God's megaphone to say, it's your time to pray. Come and pray now. So as often as we feel anxious, we come to Jesus in prayer. Paul says, in every situation. That includes what you're going through right now. The the clarion call of anxiety, the way it's designed, its purpose is to call you to the place of prayer. Not to the place under the storm, but to the place seated in victory with Jesus. Restful, calm, rejoicing. And that kind of prayer makes a profound difference. Now, Paul said, in every situation, by prayer and petition. Prayer is just a general term for communion with God. And and, and it's used in many, many different places. Paul says, listen, pray. And so sometimes I'm bringing something to the Lord and I'm not sure what to pray about. 
I don't really know what my desires are. I don't know which is going to be the better way. And so I say, Lord, I'm just bringing this to you. I'm, I'm just bringing a general prayer. Now, don't worry too much about well, what should I say or how should I do this? Your kind of prayer, the, the kind of prayer that just comes honestly out of your heart is precious to the Lord. Don't worry about the wording. Don't worry about the protocols. Just come with integrity. The Bible says the Lord is near to everyone who seeks Him in truth. And if you just call and say, Lord, this is my heart. And sometimes I do that, Lord, I, I'm sorry, I don't know better. I'm, I just don't know where to go, but I'm just bringing this to you. So Paul says, when you're feeling anxious, it's designed to call you to this place of prayer. Now, in this place of prayer, you need to bring three things. You need to bring prayer, which is just, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. He said petitions. Now, petitions are, are a specific request at a specific time. So you say, Lord, I would like you to answer. Could you do that for me? It's a, it's a much more specific kind of prayer. And Paul says, there's nothing wrong with that. He says, in fact, when you're feeling anxious, you should bring that kind of prayer by prayer and petition. Say, Father, could you do this for me? I'm asking you to bring that result. Could you, could you turn the circumstances in this way? By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And so there's this moment where I have to come and just slip thanksgiving into my prayers. This is not a small concept at this time. With thanksgiving, Paul said, bring your request to God. See, thanksgiving is an accurate assessment of the truth. Lord, you are worthy of this praise because this thanksgiving aligns me with truth. It, it reestablishes me in who Jesus is and where he fits in my life and where this challenge fits in, com in comparison to him way, way inferior. I thank you, Lord, because you always care for me, because you cannot be unfaithful to me, because your love for me is like a muddy ocean, because you never take your eye off me, because you never leave or forsake me, because you know when I sit and when I rise, because you have dreamed great dreams for me, because your favor is on me. You are for me who you said you would be. Your power is available to me. You are my strong defense. You have utterly cleansed me. I can always run to you and a thousand other things like that. When we come and just give thanks for who he is and what he's promised in our life, that thanksgiving aligns us with his truth. Paul said, when you are anxious, you should charge the throne room. You should step up on the throne and you should bring three things, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings. And if you bring your prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, that beautiful mix will represent your requests to God. This is a very cool thing. Because Paul said, if you'll bring those three, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, present your requests to God. Now, I want you to understand that these are your requests. For the longest time, I was taught not to dare to bring anything to God that I wanted. In fact, in a legalistic environment, I was taught that anything that I really desired was sinful and needed to be crucified. That was the flesh. And, and so I, I was taught a grand mistrust of my own desires. And that's what religion will teach you all the time. But then I came to understand the beauty of the gospel and the truth of who Jesus is. And so I, I, instead of this grand sense of self-denial and that anything that I wanted was obviously wrong, 
I understood that Jesus uh, had crucified my old sinful nature. It died with Jesus. And that part of me that was sold as a slave to sin was cut away and rolled off me. And that I was born again into a brand new life. The old had gone, the new had come. And that this new nature that I have now is made perfectly in the image of Jesus, in all His righteousness and all His holiness. And I share His nature. I also share His mind and His holiness. Holy Spirit works inside of me to will. He's creating desires in me that are in line with the will of God and to act according to His good purposes. So suddenly when I understood the actual beauty of God, I realized that the desires, that are yearnings that are deep within me are, are things that the Holy Spirit has worked. This is what Paul said to the Thessalonians. Brothers, I know that He's chosen you because our gospel came not just with words, but with the Holy Spirit, with power and with deep convictions. So when you embrace the gospel, it always works deep convictions in you. So one of the things the Bible says, if, if you are anxious, come to God with prayer, petition and thanksgiving. And in this way, you will place your requests before God. Don't let people tell you that what you desire is wrong. Your requests are important to God. If it's important to you, it's important to Him. So deep desires in us are those things that the Holy Spirit is working in us. Everything except sin is holy for you. So Paul encourages us by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving to come and present our requests to God. So the question I want to ask you is, what are your requests? It's helpful if you know exactly what you want. See, the Syrophoenician woman came and she said, Jesus, I want you to heal my daughter. And he said, I didn't come for you. And she said, Jesus, she ran around in front of him, stopped him again. I need you to heal my daughter. And he said, I came only for the lost sheep of Israel. And then she ran around and stopped him again. And she said, Jesus, I want you to heal my daughter. And he said, it's not right to take children's bread and give it to dogs. And he kept on going. And she ran around and stopped him again. She said, even dogs get to eat the crumbs at the table. That's all I need, a crumb from you. And Jesus said, woman, you have a great faith. This persistence, this clarity, this strong desire to come to God with that. I cannot find one place in the scriptures where God was offended by that strength. He delighted in it. He loved it every time he saw it. Those people who said, but God, I, I cannot believe that you won't answer this. And they kept pressing and God said, okay, I'll do it for you. There are many, many examples of this in Scripture. And your desires and the strength of your desires are never going to be an offense to the God who created the universe and who marks its breath by the, by the breath of His hand. He's not threatened by the size of your prayer or my prayer. He's well able to handle immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's what his Bible says. So Paul encourages us, come and bring your requests. What are your requests? Because they're going to be made up of prayers, petitions, thanksgivings. And these three are going to work together to eradicate anxiety and to invite peace. They're like peace magnets. They draw peace in like, like dry ground embraces the rain. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Please understand, your heart and mind are going to be like a well-garrisoned fortress. And this, Paul says, this peace will go beyond your understanding. 
So this peace doesn't just operate in the realm of our understanding. It goes far deeper than that. This peace guards even our hearts and our minds when our minds are wandering. So here's a suggestion for you, for those who want to practice their position in Christ Jesus. This is what I want to leave you with today in this sermon. It's a suggestion for you, but I really believe it'll, it'll produce profound beauty and wonder in your life. I'd like to suggest that you start a prayer journal. That is that you write out your prayers and your petitions and your thanksgiving and you put a date to them. This is the date I prayed these things and then leave a space for the date when God answers those things. See, uh, many of the times when we pray, God answers it, but it hasn't yet manifested in the natural. In Mark eleven twenty four, this is what Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you've received them, and then you will have them. In other words, we can receive things by faith that have yet to manifest. They are on the way when we prayed, but they're not yet visible to the natural eye. So if you'll pray and record what you prayed and leave a space for when it becomes visible, I think you'll be blessed as you see how God starts to partner with you and how you start to partner with Jesus when you pray the prayers He's praying from the throne room. Now, when it starts to happen and you record your prayers, you're going to see the answers show up and it's going to create a greater cause for celebration and for more rejoicing and for more thanksgiving. And so it becomes this ever-strengthening beauty, the storm of, of rolling on of the favor and the blessing and the answers of God. And this is what we see more and more happening because Jesus said He loves to bring glory to the Father by answering our prayers that are prayed in His name. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly places on His throne of victory. You have been blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You have been given His name that is above every other name, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and over every other name that can be invoked, not only in this present age, but in the age to come, as Ephesians 1 says. That name is yours to use in requesting resources and help. So I just want to say, think about starting a prayer journal and practicing your position in Christ. Practice letting peace rule your heart and your mind. Practice prayers and petitions and thanksgiving. As clearly as I know how, I believe it's always appropriate for us to pray. But I believe there's a special moment here that the Holy Spirit is inviting the church across this nation to. Come and spend some time with me. Come and devote yourself a little more than you're accustomed to. Come and give yourself because there is an agenda that God has in this nation and in our city and in our neighborhood. God wants to do some things and the invitation from God, it's not to a harsh duty. It's to come and participate in the formation of what God wants to do in our nation. It is a moment to share the victory of Jesus. And that's the invitation we've been given. So I just want to challenge you. Why don't you think about starting a prayer journal and just keep a list because you'll be profoundly blessed when you see all the answers that Jesus gives. Why don't you pray with me? Lord, I come to you and I ask, would you favor us as a church? Would you give us an understanding? 
And Father, as people begin to keep these prayer journals, I pray, Lord, that we'd see thousands of testimonies of the faithful kindness of God as you answer, as you transform our lives, as you make things powerfully different, and as you bring your kingdom to bear in the circumstances of our life. Our prayer is, Lord, let your kingdom come. For we await along with you, Lord, your enemies to be made your footstool. So we're praying for you, Lord. Break out in Jesus' name. We thank you for your kindness. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us, friends. And we're looking forward to seeing you in the throne room. God bless you.